What is up, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here at NovaCare Complex with Mike K, who's feeling a little under the weather, but he's powering through it for you guys. The latest episode of the No Huddle Show, midweek edition. We had a few days to rest up after that Thursday game. It was really nice to have that weekend off and be able to sit down. And Did you watch football on Sunday? And just I did nothing. I had Chinese food, and I plopped down on my couch. It was beautiful. My parents were in town, oh, so, you, uh, so, <laughs> so you were actually more stressed than if yes, you were at a game. <laughs> pretty much, but I did watch a lot of football. It was lovely, and now I'm sick because my kid was sick. So. <laughs> so it wasn't quite a bye week for you is what you're saying? No, it was a good bye week. Okay. You know what I mean? Hey, you know what I mean? Like, good mic joke, everybody. Hey, put it every on the now board. And, every now and then. Put it on the board. Um, oh, we should note that I am holding the, the microphone close to my mouth. Uh as close as possible. Hopefully, I don't get it sick. But uh, <laughs> we've heard about the uh, the sound complaints, and we are working on them. So yeah, I went. There was one day I went home, and my dad. The first thing he said to me before basically even saying hi was, "Tell Mike to pull the mic away from his face." <laughs> Wait, away from it or towards? Oh, towards. Sorry, sorry I mean, talk into the microphone, basically. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, good call. Here we are, Zach's <laughs> dad. Zach's dad. His name. Sh- his name is Mike too. Actually, shouts Mike. <laughs> All right, but yeah, so a few things happened over the last few days. We'll hit the newsy stuff. What I want to start doing uh, for our midweek pod each week, we're going to each come up with like three thoughts, observations, um, statements that, that we have about the Eagles that week leading up to the next game, thinking backwards, uh, just kind of just give this a little structure. But we'll get into that in a little bit. But first, uh, I feel like we should talk about the injury updates that we got today first. Um Number one, it seems like Deshaun Jackson's probably not playing this week, and you don't really need him to play. If you need Deshaun to beat the Jets, then you're not a good team. So I think you can be okay with that. He's not practicing, and I'd be surprised if he did. Sidney Jones did walk through. Uh, he has a hamstring injury. They're probably going to see how he, Doug sounded way more optimistic about him than any of the other guys. Um, so m- maybe he plays this week, but again, I don't know if you necessarily you, you don't you can rest guys. It's not you don't want to look at it as a bye week because that's how teams get upset in the NFL, but. I would rest him personally. Um, They're fourteen point favorites. Yeah, with, and with all this injury knowledge there already, and then Avante Maddox is still in concussion protocols. What Doug said. Uh, well, Avante, yeah, Avante Maddox, and uh, he has a neck sprain. Sounds like he'll be out a few weeks, according to Ian Rapoport's report. And then Ronald Darby did not practice either. Um, he's, he made it sound like he's going to be out a little while. He has his hamstring also. And then, t- so today, Jason Kelsey wasn't at practice. That wasn't injury related. Uh, they said personal reasons. It's a very good chance by the time you listen to this podcast, uh, it might come out that his wife was due, super due, super due. Uh, so I imagine that's probably what. Like without making complete assumptions, I think that's a f- safe guess that he had his first kid. And if so, congratulations, Jason. <laughs> if not, hang in and there. Hang in there, bud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. St- staying at the hospital, and I'm sure. Yeah, like you know that experience. Yeah, uh, but I do. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I feel like you can start feeling a little more optimistic about this team. I know there's a lot of guys hurt, but in the next few weeks, they're going to start getting some of these guys back. I think you can feel a little better than maybe uh, you did two weeks ago. Yeah, and I think when you look at the outlook, even beyond the next two weeks. Week seven, Jalen Mills is eligible to return yeah. from his foot injury. And then week nine, Craven LeBlanc's eligible to return from his foot injury. And then around then, Darby should be getting healthy. Jernigan should be getting healthy. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we've always looked at this as a second half. Um, yeah, like, yeah, like you've been saying, they need to go 500 to start out. Yeah. Right. I mean, if they can go 500 or better in the first half, this team's going to definitely be a playoff team. And I think potentially a division winner now that you looked at how the Cowboys lost to the Saints on Sunday night. They're only a game back. 
they'll play each other in the first half of the season. So there's a very good chance that the Cowboys and the Eagles could be even after eight games. And then the, the back half of the Eagles schedule, while it's not a cakewalk, is certainly much easier than the first half. You're at home a lot, too. And you play all, all, most of your division yeah. games. And you only get on a plane once, and it's to Miami, so it's basically a vacation. Well, <laughs> yes, but, you know. Especially that late in the season, they'll be full-on tanking, too. Yeah, that's the type of that's the type of game, though, that you got to be really weary of, you know, coming off two games against pretty good teams in the Seahawks and the Patriots. Yeah, and I'm sure that the Dolphins will have a lot of young guys trying to prove they belong in the league and all that kind of thing. So. Yeah, I think the Dolphins are going to be one of the more dangerous opponents in the last month of the season. Because everybody's just going to be writing them off, yeah. Well, that and everybody's looking to earn a job next year. Uh, they probably want to get away from Miami, so <laughs> probably want to play pretty I mean, well. half the team did demand trades. So. Yeah, supposedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, speaking of that, for our weekly Jalen Ramsey, you and I joked before the podcast that uh, the day we ha- can stop talking about these rumors will be a great day. Uh, he's still on the block, and the latest is that the Eagles gave an offer before the Packers game of a first and a second, which I think obviously isn't going to get it done. I think everybody knows that. I th- I'm sure Howie knew that when he if, he if he made that offer. Chris Mortensen's the one that reported it. He's pretty well connected with the Eagles. His stuff usually seems to be He's also extremely connected with the Jaguars. Yeah, so. and, and he, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a pro. But... uh. Like my my just initial takeaway was like oh, obvi- that's like a Howie move like the the whole rumor with the Melvin Gordon thing like he's always gonna you're, if, if we find out about it it's <laughs> I'm sure it's on purpose almost to let everybody know that he's trying I don't know if that necessarily means they're seriously considering giving up multiple first round picks or not uh, we've talked about this on this pod a lot we don't need to like dwell on it too much but they do they are pretty banged up there obviously he'd be better than everybody if everybody was healthy anyway. He's worth trading multiple first-round picks for. I don't know if more than two, but I, I would give up two firsts for him. So the deal, when we did our, our prop deals, yeah. where uh, I said a first, a second, and Big V. Now I think Big V is very hard to trade when you factor in how the offensive line has worked and the extra blocker and how well they've done with the extra blocker and how much they've used him in different spots. But, yeah, I agree with you. I call some of these Howie trade proposals or the reported ones – or leave it deals, yeah. you know, where he just throws it out there. Hey, if you want it, you know, here we go. Here's a- yeah, it can't hurt to try. Right. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if this week he upped the value to maybe a first, a second, and a third, you know. Just like slowly, incrementally. Right. And, and I think the big deal, and I said this when we made our prop trades, is I think the big win for Howie will be avoiding giving up two first-round picks. And that's hard to pull off because the Eagles are probably going to have – a 25 to 32 pick in in those first rounds. They're a team that's going to be a contender. The thing is, Shotgun wants to get two premium first round picks, but what team in their right mind who doesn't know if they're going to contend yeah, is trading so, for so that as appealing of first round picks, right? And so, and the Jaguars could win that division, right? You know, and the, I in 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 just based off what I've heard is they're not in a rush to trade him. Uh, he doesn't really have the leverage that everybody thinks he does because he's in his fourth year and he still needs to build an accredited season. Yeah. Um, you know, and if he doesn't have that, that could how, cost how, how many games is that? Uh, I believe it's six. So right now he has four because he was on the active roster. So holding out doesn't really get him anywhere. Right, exactly. Out. And they could, you know, go after, you know, his fifth year option, which would alter the way he might make that money. Maybe it's lowered. Who knows? I'm not really sure how that works. It's never really happened before. You know, guys like Melvin Gordon, guys like Jadavian Clowney, guys like Le'Veon Bell Bell had the franchise tag or the fifth-year option to kind of play against. Here, 
you know, Jalen's still got two years left on his deal, including this year. Um, and you know what? That ownership group loves him. I can tell you that for a fact. They are very invested in him, and they want to sign him. Yeah. The art is convincing him to stay. Yeah, he's the one that wants to leave. It's not that they want to get rid of him. Right. Which but, is, they, but the Jaguars are the ones that have the control because yeah. Ramsey really doesn't have the leverage. So, you know, um, I think he could be traded this year, but I think it's going to be a long, drawn-out process. I started this season with gray in my beard. You're starting to get some. I think by the time we're done, I could be looking like Burt Reynolds. You know what I mean? There'll be four more rumors about our next podcast, probably. So Yeah. Um, It is interesting that it seems like the Eagles are the only team lately that you've been hearing about with Ramsey. I'm sure that's on purpose. Right. Um, The Ravens had a nice offer. I heard that the Chiefs were somewhat involved. It seemed like that all was coming early on in the demand tra- and by the way the trade deadline is october 29th which is which is after week eight so they have plenty of time to they have more than three weeks to decide right this week made a lot of sense because of the quick because of yeah. the because of the excess days that you had the eagles have brought in two practice squad corners and ryan lewis and dj white both have experience and kind of bounce around the league a little bit and they also re-signed orlando skandrick so they're they're going to be short at cornerback as far as guys that have been established in this defense uh, right now, you're looking at three healthy cornerbacks in the 53-man roster. Rasul Douglas, Orlando Skandrick, and Craig James. I should say Lambeau legend Craig, yeah. Craig James. Um, the highest-rated cornerback in the NFL right now, yeah, according to Pro Football Focus. Bananas, because he's played three snaps. <laughs> well, that's why. It's yeah, like that. Probably, yeah. Yeah, Small sample so. size. Yeah. Um, and then I think what will happen is they'll have Lewis and White compete in practice. Sydney, in case Jones doesn't play. Yeah. Well, I think they're bringing a guy up even if Jones plays because you never know with that hamstring injury. You don't want to be stuck like you were in Green Bay. Yeah. So Joe, let's say Jones plays, right? I think they'll have Lewis and White compete. White's played all three corner positions I mean, Lewis is a guy who actually played three games earlier this season, was just recently cut, so you know he's in football shape. You know he he can play. Uh, Martin Frank uh, from Delaware.com actually pointed this out to me today. Ryan Lewis is wearing 37. DJ White's wearing 41, both numbers that Jonathan Cyprian wore while he was uh, yeah. in Philadelphia. That's called a segue. <laughs> yeah, we're so we're, we'll get into our, our three thoughts deal now. Um, we, we can start with that. So the Eagles made a trade with the Atlanta Falcons on Monday night. Uh, the days are all weird because they had the Thursday game, so I had to think yeah. about it. But So Monday they traded Jonathan Cyprian and a seventh to the Atlanta Falcons for linebacker Duke Riley and a sixth-round pick. Um, just some background. So Duke Riley was a third-round pick at LSU in 2017, so he played Jalen Mills. Uh, he was their starting linebacker for two years, and then he pretty much was demoted to only special teams. So I, I, I found like an old video of him pulling a car. And I tweeted that out. I'm like, this is Duke, the Eagles' new linebacker, Duke Riley. He's pretty strong. And I've, I've never had so much response from an opposed, like a different fan base before where they just like the, the amount of vitriol for this guy. Like they're like, yeah, that's all they can do. We fell for that too. He's, he's terrible. He can't cover anybody. Like it, they, so I, I don't know enough about him. You probably know more than I do. But it doesn't sound like he had a very – for like what he was as a draft pick, he probably didn't live up to that. But he's going to replace LJ Ford essentially on special teams is my read, right? So my first thought. I guess I'll do it because we're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Mike's first thought. Format. Yeah, I know Zach really carried that one. We need one of those, like, narrator guys. Yeah. Number one. Number one. (laughs) That reminded me of Mortal Kombat a little bit. Anyway, um, (laughs) round one. Uh, Fight. Uh, So, here's the thing with Duke Riley. Uh, It was a one-year starter at LSU. Had a bananas combine. 
bananas. B a n a n a s. If you're unaware, like he just tested really well. Oh my god! For sure. he he came in at six foot one, two hundred thirty two pounds. Um, I think he had a thirty four and a half inch vertical, a four point six second forty, and his three cone was in like the six point eights. Like he he was that's very good. Um, and so he's a bit of a, a white work a workout warrior, a white warrior. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about Mike Mamula, like as I like, and I was all right. Anyway, um, brain. Uh, so yeah, he. I mean, his combine was off the charts, and you know he was a guy who's super athletic. He brought up the car thing. Um, I think he did really well on the bench too, if I'm not mistaken. But high upside guy. You know, when you're a one year starter and you have really good athletics, coaches and GMs look at you as a guy that you can kind of build upon. You don't have like the bad habits of, of, or whatever. So what they did was the, the Falcons drafted Riley in the third round, 75th pick overall before Kareem Hunt, Rasul Douglas. Uh, who's the other really good one? Um, well, that draft had a bunch of guys. In like yeah. The fourth I'm round. trying to remember, but there was like one that was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I'll get back to that later anyway. So, um, he, like you said, he was a starter, but he was also a two. He was only a two down linebacker. Oh, he was okay. he was essentially a two down weak side linebacker. Struggled a bit. I think he had twenty combined missed tackles in his first two seasons. That's bad. <laughs> um, and this season he was relegated to special teams duty. He appeared in all four games. Didn't produce a tackle, but he's been graded very well on Pro Football Focus his first two years in the in the league on special teams. Look. This was a, I think this was a good trade for both teams. A lot of people are going to say, who cares? Well, when you start off at who cares, it only can go up from there, right? And they so, gained a draft pick. Yeah. Right. So Jonathan Cyprian played 15 defensive snaps his first four games in Philly. And most of them were that fourth game, yeah. Right, because there were injuries. Uh, he was playing mostly on special teams, a role that he really wasn't comfortable with. He was awkward. He missed some tackles. He looked out of place a lot of the time. Uh, the Falcons just lost Keanu Neal, their starting strong safety, to an Achilles injury. Cyprian can fit in right away. He plays kind of like a similar, uh, you know, in the smash, box, right? Yeah, in the box, smash mouth sort of strong safety position. He also played for Gus Bradley, who has a very similar defense to um, uh, Dan Quinn. And so I think it makes a lot of sense. They were buying low on getting a replacement strong safety. They struggled a lot against the Titans last week. I think that'll help them. I think it's a good trade for them. In turn, they dropped down one round in the 2020 draft from the 6th to the 7th. The Eagles now have two 6th round picks and two 5th round picks, although one of those four picks is hindered on Jordan Howard's conditional trade. Um, Look, I think they needed special teams help. From what I was told, the Eagles were open to dropping LJ Fort throughout the first month of the season. They were looking for a replacement. They wanted that conditional pick. Um, I mean, they didn't play him a single snap on defense, so it was pretty obvious that was coming. Yeah, right. Yeah, and he really wanted to play on defense. He signed with the Ravens like outright right away. So you know, clearly he had a market and and wanted to get out. So you look at two new opportunities for two veteran players that were kind of stuck on the bench in Cyprian and Fort. They they were able the Eagles were able to make something out of nothing, get a better draft pick, and also you know a special teams ace who can contribute and if he can't so what you don't have the stink of the third round pick on you anymore because you you traded him you know what i mean you traded for him 
and for nothing, pretty much. You could have cut Cyprian. We were talking about it the other day. Yeah. Cyprian's the 53rd guy on the roster. Yeah. So the fact that Howie was able to get something out of nothing, that's a typical Howie trade. That's a long thought. <laughs> What's your first thought? Round one, Zach. <laughs> um, so I wanted to uh, start with Brandon Brooks. This dude, so I think Brandon Thorne, he's a really good uh, analyst. He, he's really good at analyzing offensive line in particular. He did like his first his quarter uh, like first team all offensive line and he had Jason Kelsey and Brandon Brooks in there. And it just made me think like, I feel like I know locally he gets a lot of love, but Brandon Brooks has played all but 10 snaps so far this season coming off an Achilles injury. He basically didn't play a full go in training camp. He didn't play in the preseason. He hasn't allowed a single sack or quarterback hit and has only allowed two pressures. He's been the best guard in the NFL. And I, I just think that dude just deserves so much praise for just the way he's battled back and, I mean, he, he even talked about, like, when he when he showed up for that first day of training camp, and he's like, you guys were the ones that thought I wasn't going to be back. I thought, you know, this is a chance for me to even, like, take a step back and become even better than it was before. And you hear that a lot with guys that get hurt, but for an Achilles injury on a 300-pound offensive line, I mean, like, it's just, I think he's just been remarkable. I know Alshon Jeffrey is the guy that a lot of people turn to when they say, like, he's the best offensive signing of... Howie Roseman's tenure, but I actually think Brandon Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at what he was able to do Carson's rookie year. Um, I mean, he's just so consistent. And he hasn't and, missed games, I don't think. Right. Yeah, which is like, think, think about that injury. He hasn't missed a game. Well, <laughs> think about the impact of when he had to come out against the Saints with the with the Achilles injury and how terrible Wisniewski was. The drop off was dramatic. So I think, you know, you can argue, I think Malcolm Jenkins is the best free agent signing that Howie's ever had, but. Brandon Brooks is a pretty close second, in my opinion. I think what he brings to the locker room, he's probably the most one of the probably the most likable guys in there. He gets along with everybody, but then when you look at on the field, I mean, he is so efficient. Like you said, it's just, I mean, right guard's such an important position. I know this has become a passing league, but what he's been able to do from a pass protection standpoint, he's a better pass protector than any right guard in the league. I mean, there are some better run blockers, but when you look at his pass protection, he's phenomenal. All right, what's your what's your second thought? Round two. <laughs> Fight! Uh, oh, I thought I did a pretty good job there. That was pretty good, actually. Uh, Corey Clement. Um, so, I'm somebody who kind of like just studies transcripts from press conferences and kind of like overanalyzes stuff. Me... Who would have thought, right? <laughs> um, everyone who talks, talks about the three-man running back rotation. Well, the Eagles have four running backs. Yeah. I'm holding up four Clement, so that Zach Clement knows. was a part of the three-man rotation during the Super Bowl run. Right. Some would argue he was probably the second runner-up for the MVP um, in, in that the, In the game, yeah. yeah in that game. Um, you know, the guys produced over 850 total yards and eight touchdowns in the regular season. Uh He's a guy who's an accomplished offensive player. He also just lost his kick return job to Miles Sanders. Dave Phipp kind of confirmed that on Monday. So my question to Doug Peterson was, how, what role does he have on special teams that still justifies his position? Doug Peterson did the following. It was so weird. He paused. It was he like smiled. <laughs> it was really un- unnecessary. Supposedly, I caught him off guard. Whatever. Anyway, it was it was a strange moment for the a very like not not like an intense question or anything. Like yeah, that. I thought it was pretty. It was a fair question. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, and then he answered in a way that made it obvious that Clement's just not part of the offense. In a way that was actually pretty good. Yeah, you know, when, once he thought about it. Um, Clement can be, you know, he's typically the first guy out as the personal protector on punts. 
Uh, he can be a gunner. He's athletic. He looks like he's back to form. I, against the Ravens and Joy practices, he looked great. The thing is, is they trust Sproles in a way that they trust no one else. And then on top of that, you have Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders looking like they did against the Packers. And I just think, you know, Clement's a guy that, excuse me, um, they might have lost a little faith in last year. He had that quad injury in week four, or he suffered in week three, was out week four and five, and then just didn't look like himself. Then he had the ACL, in, or sorry, not the ACL injury, but the knee injury uh, in week 14 on, off that awkward handoff by Carson Wentz. Uh, and, or week 13, sorry. Um, and I just think, you know, he's a guy that kind of became a forgotten man, and that's kind of how it feels. He's only played three offensive snaps in three games, and all three of those came in the first game, and he was basically like a fullback. So I'm interested to see what you hear, what everybody else's take is on that. Because to me, he's become a forgotten man. And yes, he can be a utility guy on special teams. But on, an, on a team where there's so many injuries, eventually does he become inactive? Or, or how does that work out? What's your take? Yeah. You know, I, I just find it interesting that all offseason they were talking about him as like part of the rotation. And then now it's like Deuce Staley called it a three-headed monster the other day. Um, and then when he was, when he was asked, he's one of, Corey Clement's one of those guys that for them to talk about him, you have to ask about him, which kind of says if a coach isn't thinking about you on the on the tip of their tongue. So, you know, I think you and I both thought he was going to have a bigger role than he wound up having this year. As early as week two, I remember both of us thinking he was going to get some carries at least that week because they switched the rotation up each week. Um, it's surprising. I, I, I don't know if he's going to be here long term based on the way this has gone, but he's, he's helping his value around the league by showing that he can be a special teams guy. So he'll be in the league for a long time, if it, even if it's just because of that. Well, and he's a guy who's a team first dude. You know, he's not going to complain. He's not going to cause trouble. But it does kind of sound like that we're nearing the end. Uh, of he'll the, be a restricted free agent this offseason. You don't need to keep it. Unless, I mean, they might lose Howard, I guess. And, right. and Sproles, in theory, will retire. You know, we've seen guys like Wendell Smallwood. Stick around. Yeah, yeah. stick around. So um, still number 28 is open, man. It's Respect to playing that. a decent amount in Washington, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, you need all hands on the back of that situation. <laughs> I mean, that team is so bad. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, to close out on Corey, I, I, I do wonder if they suffer an injury down the like in the second half and he becomes like a very good replacement for Sproles or for Sanders because I think that's the value that's there. All right, so my second thought um, to Sidney Jones. So seems like anytime we ask, uh, you know, Jim Schwartz or Corey Unlin or uh, Doug Peterson about, like, at what point are you concerned about all the soft tissue injuries that he's dealing with, and they kind of deflect the question every single time. Um, I don't want to read too much into that, but I, I think it's become a legitimate concern in the building. And, you know, I, th- I think he's clearly a talented player, but I don't know if, it's he- if he's not – you know, putting on the right bulk or what it is, but he just can't stay healthy. And he hasn't had a stretch where he stayed healthy for three games in a row in his NFL career. I don't think like, I I think it's fair to say that. And I want, you know, when we did those trade offers, I had Cindy Jones as like one of the guys and he has less value now than he did then. And his value wasn't like crazy high back then either. So I I don't know what the future they're, they're going to keep trying to develop him. Um, I, I just until he can prove that he can stay healthy, though, I don't see how you can rely on him to be one of your top two corners long term. Yeah, it kind of seems like he's like the new Victor Abiramiri, where like there's so much promise there, and there's a lot you like from his college career, and he's very athletic, 
Victor Beermere, he was defensive end. They took from, up from Notre Dame. From yeah. Notre Dame that everybody loved. I remember him. Kind of had the makeup of like the next Justin Tuck. And turned it, he turned out to be like the. He like flamed out pretty quick too. Didn't yeah, he, he did. Um, and the thing is, is you know, upside's great, but you need to be able to develop yep. it, and you need to be available. Yeah, you need to play. Availability is the number one ability in the NFL. Is a lot of coaches ironically on this team, say. it definitely is. Right, and you Rizul. know, <laughs> you know, and at this point, you know, speaking about Corey Clement, ironically, uh, Doug Peterson said it's tough to come back from an injury as a young player when the team is moving forward. Especially with the guys that they added this offseason. Yeah. Right. And so when you look at the cornerback position, Rasul's playing relatively well. He had a terrible first game, but outside of that, he's played pretty well. Uh, they're bringing in these new guys. Craig James can emerge or, you know, Jalen Mills can come back and play well or Craven LeBlanc can play well. How Where, where can Sidney Jones fit in all this? And I, I think, you know, they've talked about playing him in this game. Hamstring injuries are really tough. Part of the reason why Sidney Jones missed extended periods of time – and, and Darren Sproles, too, is because they had setbacks with those hamstring injuries. It's very difficult. Uh, then again, you saw both Goddard and Jeffrey come back at yeah, one week after. That's right. Those injuries are just weird. Yeah, so you never know. Um, but, yeah, not a good look for Sydney. All right, what you got after your last one? Round three. Fight! <laughs> um, yeah, this is, that means we tied in the first two rounds. Then. Yeah, it's true. We went to <laughs> Mortal Kombat speed. We went to Mortal Kombat overtime. Um <laughs> Sudden death. So uh, I think when we look at this roster and you talk about the guys that are coming back, I think one of the biggest, you know, returns is Camus Grugier Hill, who played on a snap count against the Packers. He played, I think, 13 snaps. The jump off sides, I want to say. Yeah, he didn't look terrific, but he was getting used to the speed of the game. Uh, He kind of allows you to cut LJ Fort. Um, Didn't Tim Tim Flagel talk about his uh, recovery and all that? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's about timing, and it's about, you know, getting your body used to it. I mean, he's been out for more than a month. So, you know, and he was having a great training camp before he got injured. Some would say he was probably the standout of that yeah. first week. Um, but he's a guy who's eventually going to play a bigger role on defense, which then frees up Duke Riley to kind of take on some of his special teams' responsibilities. But he is also a special teams captain, and I think the Eagles were really waiting for Camus, for that veteran presence on special teams to return before they got rid of LJ Fort. And I think um, L- before LJ Fort had his Eagles fatality, uh, Camus had to show something, and I think he did the other night. While he didn't play well, I think he showed that he is capable of playing on Sundays moving forward. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely think that was more... that like. He's having his preseason over these first few weeks, basically. Um, so for my last point, um, so there's been a lot of talk about the Eagles' lack of sacks. There's been a lot of argument in the you know there's people who have been saying sacks don't matter, and the Eagles have like the fifth or sixth best pressure rate in the NFL. And then there's the flip side of that where they only have they literally are last in the NFL in sacks. They only have three, and only one of them has come from a defensive end. It was a strip sack. It was a great one from Derek Barnett. But if they don't they don't start, I know. It's good to press the quarterback, and it, just the very basic sack number isn't necessarily indicative of like a good defense. Like what matters, what happens, like what you do with the sacks and all that. But if if they don't start getting, if especially this week against a really bad Jets offensive line, like maybe the worst in the NFL, or one of the worst at least, um, if they don't start getting their act together in terms of finishing those pass rushes, then I, I think it's time to be legitimately concerned about it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're completely correct. I think. 
Um, you know, Derek Barnett got the sack strip, and that was an encouraging sign. Obviously, Brandon Graham has piled up pressures. And in talking to Philip Daniels, the defensive line coach, he said that he preaches getting quarterbacks off their spot to make mistakes and that sacks are quote-unquote bonuses, which I know frustrated a lot of people in the Eagles fan base when I tweeted that out. But I see the logic in it. You know, if you sack a guy, um, yeah, you're bringing them down for a loss. But if it's not on third down, you're they have another shot. If you can force them to force a turnover, yeah, to if a you fourth can, down, yeah. if you can get a sack strip, or you can get a um, you know a, a, force force a fourth down, and yeah, make them yeah, you know what I mean. Turnover. That's basically it's yeah exactly. So yeah, I which think is what Jim Schwartz's point usually is, but yeah, which I think is there's a logic there. The issue for me is when you make when there are lulls and quarterbacks are able to climb the pocket and, and move around like Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers have, it makes it very difficult on your secondary who's already handicapped, no pun intended, because of their either lack of ability or their injuries. So I, I think um, I think there's logic to complaining about it. I think there's also logic to the mission at hand. And I think, yeah, I mean, look, this Jets offensive line is bad. It's bad. Uh, I used to call, cover Kevin Kelvin Beecham in Jacksonville, and he's extremely undersized for a left tackle. You can work power against him. His base isn't that great. I'm shocked he's still a starting left tackle in this league. Ryan Khalil's been terrible since coming back. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you take an entire summer off. Yeah, yeah. You can't be like Josh McCown where you just sit behind Carson Wentz. Um, you know, and then Sam... Look, if Luke Falk's the starting quarterback... <laughs> I could probably host a four-hour podcast on how bad a quarterback Luke Falk is. Uh, and I don't like to overly criticize, but his tape in college was horrific. And that's the same program that Gardner Minshew came out of, and he looked great on it. Yeah, tape. but Jim Schwartz says you kind of prepare the same way for every quarterback, though. So <laughs> I mean, look, Sam Darnold. Maybe he's just saying you just don't prepare for Luke Falk. Well, well, and here's the thing, too. Sam Darnold's back there. He's a guy that kind of plays hero ball and makes some really stupid when, throws. Yeah. When he also, but he also has that escape ability that has hurt the Eagles in the Correct. past. Correct. Yeah. Um, but I think you can force him into mistakes and feel good about that and um, do some of those disguised blitzes, which they've done pretty well the last two weeks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think this game should be close. If, it, if it's within a touchdown score, there's, there's going to be some flack. Yeah, it can't, be, it, can't, it can't be close. Yeah. Even if... It wouldn't be look good if they started slow in the first half and killed them the second, but like don't start slowing. <laughs> like just don't do it. Zach Rosenblatt says, "Don't start off slow." <laughs> really hot take there. Yeah. Um, all right, before we go, I'll just read a few comments from our uh, post game from Thursday night. Uh, keep keep these coming. We love we love reading these. I'll start here with uh, Ron Mexico. He says, "Sendejo has hurt more of his own teammates than anyone in league history." <laughs> yeah, that's probably not true. Uh, but I think it's well established to our listeners how I feel about Anderson Dejo and his playing style, and I wrote about it today. Um, the t- the t- his teammates love him, and at least they say they do, and the coaching staff especially loves him, so he's not going anywhere. I mean, but they also kind of have silence to themselves because he is the Night King, and there's yeah, you know it's sure. hard to get, get anything <laughs> out of him when it comes to him. Shulier Allen says, cut Matt Pryor or use him in a trade, keep Nate Herbig. I know you agree with that, although I will say wholeheartedly today, Matt, uh, Big V was playing center with Jason Kelsey out of practice, which I don't know if that bodes exactly well for Nate Herbig. 
I'm just wondering if it's because, you know, they're installing and Herbig was probably playing on the scout team, scout team center. So that means that, and actually his, his body type fits what Ryan Khalil is, or yeah, Ryan Khalil. Um, but yeah, 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 that's interesting. Um, you know, but you do need, if you have seven guys active, Dillard's not playing center. So, you know, if you don't want to move Isaac Samalu to center and keep him in left guard, maybe that's the thought process. Yeah. Audrey Ferber says, great stream, guys, get some sleep. <laughs> I agree. We need we need sleep on Thursday night. That's we sure. still need it, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, this guy says, I don't like podcasts. Thank you for telling us that. That's really nice of you. <laughs> the more you know. Uh, hold on. Greg Cabela says, hope Avante Maddox is okay. That said, he's the worst defensive back I've ever seen in an Eagles uniform. <laughs> So at least he, he preempted it by saying, I hope he's doing okay. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of studies that show that, that he is not the worst. Oh, yeah. They've had some, I mean, just like Bradley Fletcher would like a word. I'm <laughs> like thinking about like Dimitri Patterson, Ellis Hobbs. Uh, oh, Sally Johansson was okay for a little while. Namdi when he's here was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Namdi wasn't very good, no. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll wrap up on that note. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll have our uh, preview podcast on Friday as usual. Uh, Leave us some comments on any of the podcast apps or YouTube, write us reviews, and thanks for listening.